is going on, Suns fans? Justin here, and with me, as always, is my podcasting partner, Paul. Look out for the weather, man. Yeah, right. And uh, welcome to this episode of Fan in the Flames, your favorite Phoenix Suns podcast that is made by the fans. That's us for the fans. That is you guys. As always, intro and outro music is provided by Park and Main. You can check them out over at parkinmain.bandcamp.com. You can follow Paul and I on Twitter. I'm at so says Jay. Paul, I'm still at Dervish of World, and the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and everywhere else you can subscribe to podcasts. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. So let's let's dive right into it this week, Paul. Uh, since we last recorded, the Suns have gone one and three. But more importantly, we have a special guest this week. So why don't you share with the folks at home? Who this special guest is? We do have a special guest. Yes, this is one actually one of my favorite podcasters in uh, basketball right now, uh, Trevon Edwards. He's uh, he's with the Athletic and Count the Dings. Currently, is a host of the Back to Back Pod, the Daily Ding Pod, Hear the Deer Pod, maybe hopefully a Suns Pod in the future. Not sure if I'm allowed to say that or not. Um, he's uh, he's been he played basketball for uh, D two in Iowa, but. Uh, He's just a great personality, great guy. He's got a lot of insight about kind of how teams uh, operate and kind of what he sees on the court, which is a little bit different uh, perspective than Adam, who was on a couple weeks ago talking kind of more analytics perspective. So, Trey, thanks for coming. Thank you guys for having me on, man. That was a very nice intro. <laughs> I, don't get, I don't get too much of that much of an intro, but uh, I appreciate it. Paul, 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 Paul's, Paul's a wordsmith. We'll just say that. He has a way with words. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> right. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll delve right into it, Trey, because, you know, we here locally, and you're a local guy, uh, you're, you're here in Arizona, but you're, you're still obviously a, a national media guy. We don't get a whole lot of the national media uh, perspective, at least beyond us attacking it a lot of the time <laughs> in this pod. So we appreciate you coming on. Uh, but we're interested in hearing your perspective from from that from that uh, that angle. Uh, so, first of all, again, with you being a national media guy, uh, I'm interested in hearing that uh, what you thought about the Suns before the season. Obviously, their off season got well panned, uh, pretty much uh, all around. I think a lot of folks weren't expecting a whole lot of the Suns this year. But I'm curious, going into this season, what you expected to see out of the Suns this season. Um, so I'm going to be honest. I never like really backtrack on my statements. I normally just apologize. Um, (laughs) honestly, I didn't expect too much from this team early on. I wasn't too high on the Rubio signing just because, you know, they had drafted Ty Jerome and, you know, I knew that they needed the needs of uh, a point guard. And so far, you know, I owe Ricky an apology and also that this start was, you know, kind of shocking to everyone you know i mean unless you're you know really sons faithful and say this is our year every year um monty has gotten these guys kind of you know i mean going and buying into what he represents you know and i kind of knew that it was going you know he was going to be able to turn things around but just not this soon yeah i mean the uh is a shock to even the sons faithful unless you're you're really delusional honestly i mean we have a couple of those friends but um you know even those of us who are like optimists weren't even had, I think I had at best like a 500 start through like the first 10 games or so. I was probably expecting less than that. So when they came out seven and three, I was very, very surprised at that. Yeah, it was definitely a pleasant surprise. I mean, especially when you look at, you know, first game of the season, they come out with a win. Um, they, they follow up with a loss, but then 
playing in a game against the Clippers. The Clippers game was really, for me, the one where I was like, oh my gosh, what is happening right now? Because they didn't even have Rubio that game, and they still were able to go and, and, and beat the Clippers. And albeit a Clippers team that didn't have Paul George, um, but uh, nonetheless a Clippers team that I think overall everybody would say had more talent than the Suns, <laughs> even without Paul George. So, yeah, it's definitely been a, been a surprise to everybody. And I like how Paul says we have some of those delusional friends, and, and he was kind enough not to point out the fact that I'm probably one of those delusional ones. <laughs> you, you weren't that delusional. Yeah, I guess I'm just borderline <laughs> delusional when it comes to the Phoenix Suns. Now, now, Trey, you brought up an interesting point when you were kind of going through that. You, you talked about, obviously, the Rubio signing, but you also brought up Monty Williams. And I guess the, the question that that raises for me is, what do you think has kind of been the driving force behind this this start that the Suns have had, this unexpected start? Is it more they have the personnel in place that they didn't have last year, or is it really what Monty Williams has been able to do in terms of putting in this .5 offense, if you will, and, um, and, and getting these guys to actually put forth the effort that I think was oftentimes lacking last season, perhaps a combination of all of it? Well, it starts with Monty spearheading, you know, and getting guys to buy in, you know, uh, and just pretty much, you know, if you talk and ask to anybody about Monty Williams, he's a high character guy. And, you know, he's been around some very good organizations. And, you know, what they what these Suns teams have had in the past was bad culture. And they never really um, respected the coaches. So now you actually, you know, it starts with Devin being able to be coachable. And, you know, it kind of trickles down the line. And then you have a guy like Aaron Baines who you know, puts in the work, holds guys accountable. He's like really an anchor and he brought in some good vets and these young guys are really, you know, you know, pushing each other and, and listening to the vets. And it's, it's really no negative guys, you know, not to knock any other, you know, other, other professionals that have been in this league, but just, you know, it's just a different look and they respond differently. They're not negative. Even after a loss, they know that there's things that, that need to be worked on. And, and that's, that's, that's where you start if you're trying to turn a program around. Yeah, and, and, and speaking of turning around the culture and <clears throat> how these guys all kind of work together and are, are buying in and what have you, you know, you, you, you look at them on the court and they come across as a bunch of guys who enjoy playing with one another. I, I, I constantly think back to, and I can't remember which game it was, but Javon Carter, you know, I, I think he's done crowd. it twice. When he was on the bench, he's done it once. When he's in a game, he's done it once. Yeah, hyping up the crowd. I don't know that I've seen a Phoenix Sun do that in a quite, quite, quite a while. It's, yeah, it's been a bit. It's, it's definitely been a bit. It's the anti. We all remember the Eric Bledsoe tweet, I don't want to be here. It seems like all these guys are the anti-Eric Bledsoe hair salon tweet. Right, especially uh, Kelly Oubre. Because, you know, I think he he really seems to kind of have been like the, the turning point for the team. Um, you know, particularly from a culture perspective, when he came in last year, you know, he kind of st- he was the one who kind of started that Valley Boys movement that um, really kind of galvanized a lot of those young guys. And that's kind of really and they just kind of they kept a lot of those guys that were kind of part of that that like initial kind of crew and then um, kind of really supplemented that with some more some more vets. So um, what have you been seeing um, from from Kelly and definitely like and like some of those other young guys who are still we're still looking to see develop? Uh, well, right now, Uber Jr. was like really a high energetic guy. And, you know, in Washington, he wasn't he was used sparingly. He had to play behind Otto Porter Jr. and wait his turn. And then once with Suns acquired him in, in December, you know, he was still used to he wasn't very egotistic, you know, enough to like 
complained that he had to come off the bench early on before they started to start him. And now this year, you know, he knows, you know, his role. He knows what he brings to the table. Very higher energetic. You know, obviously, he's only really experienced kind of one bad game against the Lakers. And it mm-hmm. wasn't even like it was a no-show. It was just that, you know, other guys started to step up, and it was kind of hard to ease him back in and get his rhythm going. So the thing is, is that he has this positive motor. You know, he's active on the defensive end. He's getting out after the, you know, after uh, loose balls and and able to knock down a three ball. That that that's very effective, and you know, um, a very positive sighting if you're a Suns fan. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Ubre stepped in and became a. And I say this a lot on this pod. He was. Amongst a fan, amongst the favorites on this team, right after the trade, I mean, before he even played his first home game, this 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 fan base absolutely adored and loved this guy, and I think that's been a very positive positive development for the Suns, and and he's really worked as a uh, a force to kind of bring everybody together on the team, and I think they see that type of energy, and other players want to play with that type of energy, and, and it's obviously been working out well for the Suns since since they brought him on board. Um, you, you mentioned Ty Jerome earlier, too. Obviously, we unfortunately haven't seen him yet, and God knows when we're going to see him. I can't wait to see him because I loved that pick. But um, one pick, obviously, the other pick that wasn't as well-received um, but who has been playing quite well, especially as of late, is Cam Johnson. Any thoughts what, about what you've seen out of Cam so far this season, what you expect to see from him as he continues to develop um, with this team? I still think that Cam Johnson is one of the best shooters uh, that came out of this draft outside of um, – Kobe White, um, and he's continued to learn. You know what I mean? These are the things, the growing pains of the NBA. Sometimes guys need uh, to be refreshed, you know, a new playbook, new offense ran, just adjustments of learning how to get open and be effective. And, you know, Cam continues to to, to learn. You know, not too long ago, the, the night um, against Atlanta, he stepped in, took five charges. You know, these are things that guys are going to constantly be able to pick up and get better, and I think that you know, as he continues to shoot well and, and, and help out on the defensive end, he'll be effective role player. Now, as far as for Ty Jerome, you know, he's still quite a ways from, from being on the court, but I think he'll be uh, instant, you know, instant help being a reserve for Rubio, being that backup point guard spot. Because right now they're using Tyler, Tyler Johnson sparingly, um, but, you know, not, not his best position for him to be used. And then also Javon Carter, is still, you know, obviously a, a fan favorite and, and, and very uh, positive, energetic person, but still could be used as a third guy, you know? Yeah, he's Javon Carter seems to have been very hit or miss so far throughout this young season. I kind of look at him, he's like, he's an emergency break glass kind of, you got to shut this guy down, you know, and Johnson or, whoever, or Booker or whoever's just not doing it, you can throw in Carter and you can really lock that guy down like all the whole court. Yeah, and, and I, I think that a lot of Suns fans will. And, and I really like the pick when they picked um, Elia Kobo, but, you know, if. if <laughs> yeah. I, I, not even seeing Ty Jerome obviously play in an, on an NBA court yet, I, I still feel like I'd be much more interested in having him out there uh, than, than Ellie. And that's not to denigrate Ellie, but just. Well, he showed some flashes during preseason. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we have an idea of what he looks like in the NBA game, obviously. But, um, yeah, so. Um, you had mentioned uh, Tyler Johnson there and him not being uh, – he's kind of used, used sparely. He's a, he's a name that's kind of been – because of the way his contract's set up, he's a name that's kind of been thrown out there by a lot of Suns fans and some other media as like a potential trade chip. I don't, 
I don't know how much you kind of look at the game that that way. You're more, I think, feel like you're more of an on the court type guy. But do you, can you do you think he'll be here after the trade deadline or? Um, I think it just I think it depends on you know what this team is doing you know what I mean because like he's really a positive guy he's a real professional he doesn't complain goes out there you know and does his job and the guys seem to like him so I'm not sure that they do too much to shake it up you know what I mean like a lot of a lot of the gaps have been because of injuries and then the absence of DA so those things will change and this team will be a different ball game once they get Aiden back. Um, and then also Jerome. So, you know, I think that you just have to be patient. I think the biggest struggles right now for the Phoenix Suns is defending perimeter teams, uh, teams that have strong perimeter players like a la, um, Jimmy Butler, Miami Heat, uh, the Lakers, LeBron, uh, driving strong. And then uh, this last uh, loss to Boston, where you're just going to have guys that can just attack really, really well off the perimeter of the wing. Yeah, and and you know, so we've we've kind of rolled through some of the positive we've seen so far for the Suns this year here, um, and and I think your last comment leads nicely into this. Obviously, as I mentioned at the top of the episode, the Suns over the last four games are sitting at one and three. Um, they've always been struggling. The last couple of games, particularly last night, um, was was not not close until they no. made it a little close <laughs> towards the end, and then it got a little farther away once again. But these struggles that we're seeing over the past four games, do you see it more as a situation where we're dealing with injuries, like I had mentioned with Baines and Rubio, or is this kind of what the Suns are? Are they a team that's going to just be up and down? They're going to hopefully beat the bad teams, but then when you get some teams that you know are stronger than them in certain aspects of the game, we're gonna we're gonna start seeing a lot more of the L's than uh, we saw through the first you know ten games or so. Well, I mean, as Monty said it, they do it in a 10-game increment, you know, and that's how they measure the team's progression. And you're going to see stuff like guys getting banged up and, you know, certain things because obviously guys are being used differently and a little bit more than others. So right now I think they're just banged up and just trying to adjust. And, you know, losing a guy like Ricky or losing a guy like Aaron – you know, throws off everything because now you have to do the next man up. And some guys are just not there yet. So, um, and it's, and it's very, it's, it's very exposing for the Suns. So these things, I don't expect them to take a lot of losses, um, off that, but you know, once they get their team fully back, they'll be able to, you know, win some of these ball games against tough teams, but the bad teams, like you said, they'll be winnable ball games for them. Right. Especially because those two guys are so crucial because that's really kind of where the Suns are kind of thinnest right now because their other two kind of lingering players who are out are at those two positions. So I mean that's where, you know, you you're running into Frank Kaminsky being your starting center or Javon Carter being your starting point guard. Those those aren't really the most ideal situations. And um so that actually kind of leads into um you know, we got one game of DeAndre Ayton. So um that's really, you know, clearly could be a, is hopefully going to be a huge piece for the Suns when he gets back from that suspension. Um, how do you see? I mean, you only obviously got like one game and a couple of preseason games, but how do you, how are you how do you see the Suns kind of offense and defense kind of adjusting with him coming back? Because you know, Baines really plays though he plays the center and kind of plays it from a very different role. You know, particularly with the threes and you know the taking the charges and whatnot, and that's really a lot. Of that's not really Aiton's game. 
Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, right now I look at it like those games where they lack size or they lack paint presence, like against the Lakers, they gave up 70 points in the paint. That's not going to happen too much with DA there. Um, so, I mean, you know, pretty much it's good because, you know, Baines would go back to the bench and he'll be even more of a stronger anchor off, the, you know, with the reserves. So this will, like I said, I see things just changing. I don't, I don't, I don't think that you need too much of the charge taking. I think it's just that it's available and it's something that you must do when you lack athleticism. I like that. I, I feel like I haven't heard anybody say it from that perspective, like like that before. That <laughs> Baines does it because he lacks the athleticism, and, and 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 I'm I'm not saying that to sound like Baines is you know some 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 oaf, but no, but you're it's, it's, it's a it's a it's a fair point. Um, and maybe somebody should tell Nate Duncan that. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Anyway, anyway, sorry. Um, <laughs> He's blocked most of Sun's Twitter. If you're not aware. <laughs> oh, Nate's my guy, but yeah, that's that's funny. It's all uh, right. I, I, I I've said this before on the I went to law school with Nate actually, but it's a whole different that's a whole different conversation. Um, <laughs> so all of this now, and I have one question that I don't think we really we glanced on before we started recording. But what do you think the Suns' odds of making the playoffs are this year, Trey? Ooh, I mean the West is it's tough, man, but uh. That's such a hot take. I think they're very close, but you know they would have to they would have to have a great January, February, and um, you know continue to 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 be on you know whatever pace that they're on. I think right now that's not the main focus. I think they're just trying to get in the positive standpoint of growing, but it's it's going to take a while. So like I don't want to I don't want to jump out and leap, but I also don't want to be like a negative Nancy. So. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna say maybe 11th or 11th or 12th in the West, and I think that's fair. And, and you, you you bring up a good point too in, in terms of they just they really should just be focusing on taking positive steps. We're sitting here as fans, enduring the last nine years, and we start seeing a team that's actually playing well like this, and and we don't go, oh hey, they're improving. We're like, oh playoffs, let's let's <laughs> let's, let's let's jump to the end of the season right away, and. You know, it's maybe we do need to tap the brakes and just temper ourselves a little bit. You know, a little bit. I feel like I was looking at I was watching, I was you know looking at Sun's Twitter last night during the game, and man, it went back to being a dark, <laughs> depressing place yeah, very quickly. I, I just remember seeing the oh, I'm used. To, here's the uh, here's the oh, the Suns are coming back from being down twenty timeout from the opposing right, team. <laughs> right, 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 right. No, I feel you, man. So, um, Paul, any last thoughts, questions for Trey? or and, and if you don't, then Trey, any last comments before we go ahead and let you go about your evening? No, I, I got uh, nothing. Go ahead. I said I got nothing. Okay, well, I mean, no, I don't have any thoughts. I mean, just more so, Suns faithful, you know, stick with the team. Do understand that it's a process. I know it's it's been a long process being around, but you have to understand that when you bring a new coach in, you bring new players in, it's going to take some time. It doesn't immediately hit off. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like you guys got a pivotal player that, you know, you didn't land a LeBron James or you land an Anthony Davis immediately just to change the culture of the team and that these guys are going to continue to grow and that Devin Booker is going to continue to try to do his best to lead this team back to the playoffs. Words of wisdom 
Words of wisdom, I would say. So, Trey, we appreciate you being on with us, man. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back right after this to, to keep plugging along with this episode. Yeah, thanks so much, man. Uh, much appreciated. And for everybody out there listening, please check out Trey on all his various uh, podcasts and whatnot that he's on. He's, uh, he's really good at this, and he really des- deserves you guys listening to him. And we're back! Wow. I did not. Wow. All right, Paul. Jump the gun. <laughs> Paul's getting, Paul's excited. Okay. We, as, as Paul noted, we are back. Yes. Um, we talked about, I'm, I'm frazzled now. We talked about some of the younger guys on this team and how they've been performing so far this year, what we might be expecting to see from them as the season goes on. One guy who was mentioned briefly, I think, but, but we didn't delve into and that perhaps some people are starting to have some concerns about is Mikhail Bridges. Yep. Um, primarily the concern being, you know, the three point shot, just not being there. Uh, he came into the league kind of expecting to be a three and D guy right now. The D's still there. The three is not Paul. Are you concerned about Mikhail Bridges? Not, not, not necessarily. No. I mean, I think there, I can see, I can definitely see where the concern is coming from just from the standpoint of, you know, when everybody talked about the future of this team, you know, Mikhail Bridges was that third, uh, Tent pole, you know. Book, Booker was the scorer. Aiton was going to be a, be the big, and Bridges was that third guy who everybody expected to kind of develop into. Like the optimists for him were like he was going to be like a supreme version of like a three and D guy, like because out the gate his defense was you know really solid and just expected to be improved once he got comfortable with the uh, NBA game and. His shot in college left people to believe that he could, you know, be really successful with that in the NBA. That hasn't as come to fruition as much. I mean, he only shot, I think, in, he was shot in the low 30s as a rookie, which, you know, kind of to be expected on a, on a bad team and, you know, getting used to NBA speed and everything. But he's definitely been worse this season. Um... Honestly, personally, I think a lot of it's rhythm. I think just with the new with the whole new team, he's his role is still kind of being defined. You know, uh, Ubre's the starter. We've got Cam Johnson has been showing a lot. Um, you know, his his minutes have fluctuated. Whether that's because he's not producing on the court or what, he's just he was getting much more of a consistent playing time last year, which would allow him, allowed him to get into rhythm and allowed him to kind of just be comfortable on the court. And he, I don't feel like he's been gotten that yet this year. And it's just an adjustment for him to be in that position and trying to kind of figure out how to operate in that and be able to kind of come in and just be, be hot. Yeah. And, and to your point, I mean, in college, he, he was a 40% three point shooter over his career, his senior year, or I guess his junior year. Um, he shot 43.5%. Uh, his rookie year last year, he shot 33.5%. And so far this year, he's shooting just a shade below 24%. Uh, that is quite a significant fall off. But to your point, with the minutes, last year he played 29 and a half minutes a game. This year he's averaging 19 and a half. So I think, <clears throat> excuse me, there's some merit to the idea that he's a rhythm shooter. He needs to get in rhythm, he needs to be on the court more to really kind of hone in his ability to shoot that three. The defense isn't lacking. He still brings the same defensive intensity, the same defensive ability. 
that he did last year. I think we would all like to see that shot start falling a little bit more. And he had a really good game last night against the Kings, um, scoring 20 points, grabbing five boards and getting a couple steals. Uh, but, you know, still, again, one for three from three-point range, although six for nine overall. So, What was his minutes like last night? Last night he played 26 minutes. Okay. I mean, I just I wonder how much of that was just he, he was getting the time in garbage time more so just – Somebody had to score. Well, I don't know that. I don't know that there was really garbage time per se in that game. I mean, they ended up losing only by four points, and while they were down big in that third quarter, they cut it to I believe nine at the end of the quarter, um, and you know, obviously, continued to keep it close throughout the fourth. I mean, it got a little deep again. I think in the fourth it got back up to fourteen or fifteen, but okay. again, they cut it down to where they had a shot um, there towards the end of the game. Uh, the interesting thing that I see though is you know how well Mikhail scored from inside the arc uh, yesterday and he got to the line seven times too and maybe it's a situation where he's feeling the pressure of not making the threes that he expects himself to make and he's not letting that part of the game come to him and if it ends up being a situation where he plays like he did last night then so be it if if he's going to if he's going to play solid defense like he did against the Kings and he's going to score like he did against the Kings even if it's not coming from three point range uh, then, 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 fantastic. Uh, it's it's just a matter of him getting there. So it sounds like you're not at the point where you're like, oh no, Mikhail's a big, a big problem. It's just a matter of ha- him having to get used to perhaps his role in the team, or perhaps his role expands a little bit. Who knows? Yeah, no, because I mean, he, I don't see him having some of the flaws some of our previous um, former um, high lottery picks, high draft picks have had. You know, whether it was. Josh Jackson's questionable character issues, um, Aiton's, or not Aiton, uh, Bender's timidness, um, Chris's recklessness. None of that is really, uh, present in Mikhail. He's like, he's really mature as a, as a player. Obviously he kind of, he wasn't a rookie coming out of only his freshman year of college. Um, so he's got that, um, maturity about him and he's got, a steadiness to him. But yeah, I mean, to your point about him scoring 20 points with only making one three, you know, Hey, it's entirely possible. This could be, you know, when we thought when Devin Booker came into the league, we thought he was just going to be a three and D guy. Right. You know, this could just be one of those things where, cause like when he was at, um, he was Villanova, right? I get, I mm-hmm. yep. get Villanova, Virginia confused. Um, V's are hard. V's are hard. V-I's. Did you just also refer to Devin Booker as a 3 and D guy? Well, not really a D guy. Just but, a you know, three he's guy. a shooter, yeah. Yeah, he's a shooter. <laughs> but, so, anyway, to that point, um, you know, at Villanova, he, though he was, you know, one of the better scorers on the team in that system, and even coming into the NBA, he was just, he was a shooter. That, like, he wasn't an all-around, he didn't have an all-around game. He wasn't showing that off. Similar to Booker at Kentucky. Gotcha. So, um, you know, coming into the league, you know, you get more opportunities. You kind of you you're able to work on more aspects of your game. You can kind of develop that, and it'd be nice to see that. I know he has, you know, he surprisingly has a decent amount of assists for his, um, um, you know, what do you expect from him? What you'd expect from that position, yeah. For and then for the type of role he kind of plays. He's pretty high up there in his, in assists, and he's shown a flash for playmaking to that level. So you know maybe that's something that can develop as well. 
So I'm I'm not worried at at all. I mean, I think it'll come around. He's just, you know, new situation and trying to feel it out. You mentioned Josh Jackson. Yeah. Have you have you happened to see what Josh Jackson is doing in the G League right now? I've seen some numbers. I haven't committed them to memory. He's he's currently averaging 19.8 points a game, 8 rebounds, 4 assists. And I, okay, it's a G League. I get it. But He's also shooting 56% from three-point range. <laughs> and he's taking five a game. What? Well, he still hasn't been called up yet, so... Yeah. And, and he very well might not, but <laughs> I'm sure he will. He'll, he'll be back in the NBA at some point, but... I'm just saying... I, I'm, I'm just pointing out he's shooting 56% from three-point range. You're not range. saying, but you're not saying. I'm just saying he's shooting 56% <laughs> from three-point range, shooting five a game through five games... Josh Jackson couldn't shoot, right? That's 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 what it boils down to. I I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Um, can't let it go. <laughs> no, I, I I can't and I won't. And I, and I'm not saying that the Suns were wrong getting rid of Jackson. I mean, he is in the G League. Yeah, and it is in the G League. So Wait, I'm not. He's in the G League for the Grizzlies. Right. It's not right. like he's in the G League for the Lakers. That's a fair point. <laughs> that is that is a fair point. Um, but I, I I will still say that I think if any of the any of those those guys you just railed off, uh, including Chris and Bender, if any of them come back to really haunt, it's going to be Jackson. Mostly because, well, I think he's the only one that has any basketball ability, regardless of where he is right now. Regardless of where he is right now. Um, so <laughs> we obviously have gone through that the Suns have gone 1-3 in their last four games. They've been struggling, um, but part of that has obviously been due to injury. You have Ricky Rubio <coughs> missing the Celtics game and coming back and playing in the Kings game, but only playing the first half and not really looking like he was comfortable out there. And he's questionable for the Pelicans game. Mm-hmm. And you have Aaron Baines who took a shot in the in the Celtics game and was out for the Kings game. Is there is is Baines listed at all? I right think now? he's he's already listed as out. He's listed as out. Yeah. Really? Pretty sure. Yeah. Um. Really? Pretty sure, yeah. I, I don't like that. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of got the suspicion that it was more a, he took a hard shot, let him sit out a game, but no, I, no, I don't like that. Um, but, that. you know, and this is something that we kind of went over with Trey, and that is, you know, over these last four games, should we start having any concern about, you know, this, this team going through this one and three stretch? And, you know, from my, my own perspective, I don't think so, because A, we are dealing with these injuries. B, these losses, as of late, the Lakers, they lost the Lakers by eight. That's when they actually had their full, um, I won't say full roster of players, but they had everybody that is available Has been right playing now. this season. Right. They lose that game by eight. Obviously, the game they won, the Hawks, they blew the Hawks out without much of a without much of an issue. It was a little, the first quarter was a little a little dicey, but ultimately. Yeah, they shut down you know, Trey Young. Exactly. And then, you know, that. It was a fun game to be at. It was a very fun game to be at. It was a very fun game. It was game fun to be. You know, got to hang out with Dan, uh, my former guest host. Hopefully, future, future guest host. Future, just a po- guest host. Po- possibly future host, <laughs> um, co-host. Uh, I don't know. The last few weeks, uh, you know, or the last few games. Well, and that's and that's <laughs> what made me more confident. I get to keep my job. Yeah, and that's but that's what, <laughs> that's what I'm getting at, though, Paul. Is I mean, I, I think it, I think it, it's more the injuries <clears throat> than than really a. A, uh, a negative way of looking at the team. I, I don't think we should look at these four games and think, okay, the Suns are a 
every four games, one and three type team. Again, when they have their full gamut of players, at least those available, they hung right there with the Lakers and, and really were a couple of breaks away from possibly winning that game. At the end of that game, it was just a matter of... It, Suns, it looked worse than it was because free throws. This, and the Suns missing a couple of key threes at the end and the Lakers yeah. hitting them. And, and that's one of those things that when you're in a close game like that, it can go one way or the other. Uh, and, and some nights it goes one way, some nights it goes the other. I would call the way that game ended being the other way. Uh, when you look at the, the, the Celtics game, obviously without Ricky Rubio, I think it really speaks to how important Ricky Rubio is to this team, although they did beat the Clippers with, without Rubio. Um, but it just wasn't there that night. And obviously the Celtics are, how do we put this, really, really good. Yeah, a L- little bit, a little bit. Um, wh- I wonder what changed about the Celtics this year. You know, I feel like there was. I feel like there's somebody that was there last year that's not there anymore. I, I can't pinpoint who that is. Aaron Baines? Um, no, they wouldn't get better without Baines. Imagine how good they would be if they had Baines. Oh, still. I know, because they don't really have a center. Yeah, it was somebody else. Who was that, Paul? I don't know. Uncle Drew? That's who it was. <laughs> Paul, why don't you just spit it out? Because we know how you feel about Kyrie. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, not say a fan. Not just a fan of Kyrie. It. I'm. So glad the Suns didn't get him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> look, we circle back around to Josh Jackson again. Remember we, the, the yeah. conversation that was had? You know, uh, you know, trade trade Kyrie for that for that pick that ended up being Jackson. But regardless of what happened to Jackson, I think it was the it was the right it was the right move no matter what. Um, because yeah, you don't need that guy around around a team, especially yeah. a team that was young then. And he still pro- he probably wouldn't be with the team anymore at this point, but. Again, it is what it is. We don't need a we don't need to relive history. Well, it makes you wonder how good actually is LeBron if he could win a championship overcoming having Kyrie as a teammate. Well, when I, Kyrie sinks every other team he's on. I, I, okay, I think now you're exaggerating a bit. Am like, I? Yeah. Am you, I? It's not like you have to completely overcome Kyrie, especially if you're a player like LeBron. If you put, I guess we can wait and see and see how the Nets do when KD comes back, right? Right. That 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 would be telling. If the Nets still suck when KD comes back, then I will concede your point that Kyrie just sinks every team <laughs> automatically, and that LeBron did a great job picking him up. Well, I and I, you wonder though. I mean, how much better could the Cavs have been if he had kept Wiggins instead of Kyrie? Well, okay. I feel like you said this last pod, and did I, I called you crazy, so I'm going <laughs> to call you crazy again. So. Um, but let's, let's, let's move on from that. Cause yeah. again, going back to the actual point at hand yeah. and that is these injuries, did you, did you find his Baines in fact out tomorrow? He's out. He's out. So bringing back Rubio in the Kings game and only having him play a half makes me sit there and go, why, why did you bother bringing him back? He wasn't quite there. And with, with a team like this, especially a team that, and maybe, maybe part of why Baines is going to be out tomorrow is because of exactly what happened with Rubio coming back and really not being ready. With a team like this and two players like that who are obviously integral to how this team operates, if, 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 they're, if they're hobbled a bit and there's a chance that you're going to exacerbate an injury, I'm perfectly fine sitting them, you know? Uh, especially since... In the grand scheme of things, in the NBA world, they're older guys. I, I I have no problem if they were tomorrow night to sit both of those guys. Especially when you then have an off day after that and you're going to a back-to-back against, what, Mini and Denver. 
make those guys healthy. Get those guys healthy, even if they have to sit out this upcoming weekend. Because, again, they're so integral to this team. You don't want to say we want them back, rush them back, and run the risk of torpedoing what they've already done in terms of developing goodwill, developing this chemistry, because then they're suddenly going to be out for some extended time. Right. And, I mean, I think I think what these last couple games do show, though, is um, – how we're still kind of the Suns are still kind of thin at the the um, point guard and the center spot. You know, obviously Aiton's out for the next couple weeks. Um, he'll be back. You know, he's halfway through the suspension now, so he'll be back honestly before we know it. Um, and then with Ty Jerome still out and looking at like at least a month, maybe sounded like when. I get this weird feeling like there's not really even a time frame. There isn't a time frame, no, but it's just, but I think there's like a minimum a month and then he's going to be reevaluated. It's whatever he did to his ankle. It's, I, you know, I, I know there's HIPAA laws and everything, but the way the Suns in the past couple of years have been cagey about, you know, injuries it's just kind of weird just because of what we're used to from like the NBA and whatnot and other sports in general about, you know, injuries and timetables and things like that. The Suns have just been really cagey about that stuff and just how there are barely any updates on progress is just kind of, is really interesting. So, but you know, without Jerome and without Aiton, you know, our backup center has been Frank Kaminsky. Aaron Baines goes down. We don't have a backup center. Right. You know, Ricky Rubio goes down. We're starting uh, Javon Carter. Right. You know. You're getting back to that kind of... D'Anthony Melton. Borderline-ish type, type, type guys. Isaiah who, Cannon. And, 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 and I'll, I'll say I think Javon Carter's better than those guys. I agree. But at the same time, he's a guy, like you said earlier, that is like break the glass, you need to shut somebody down type guy, not somebody you want logging big minutes as a either a starter or off the bench, right. and and Frank Kaminsky's kind of the same, uh, particularly since he has not been shooting the ball well. Um, there's not much more that he really brings to the table that this team can use right now mm-hmm. if he's not hitting that shot. He doesn't bring the same defensive toughness that Aaron Baines does. He doesn't bring athleticism like a De- DeAndre Ayton would. He should bring a three-point shot, which mm-hmm. which just hasn't been falling. So honestly. I, I would rather see if if Rubio is out tom- um, tomorrow. I honestly, I'd rather see them go point book and start Bridges. Hmm. You know, have Carter be off the bench. You know, he can come in, be that defensive dog. Let Booker sh- shift back over to the shooting guard position for a little bit, and that you know, and then you know, obviously sprinkling some Tyler Johnson and whatnot as well. But I think that that. You know, it's a wrinkle we haven't seen that much this season so far, if at all. Mm-hmm. Ha- have has Booker been on the court without a point guard yet this season? I, I mean, couldn't tell you. I, I neither could I. Could somebody who tracks that stuff bit, way better than we can check that out. Yeah, somebody figure that out for us. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. Thanks. We'll pay you in hand claps. What? <laughs> I'm not gonna pay him real money. <laughs> what, what, what do you mean? We'll pay you in hand claps. Th- like, thank yous. You'll just okay. <laughs> Little golf claps. Gifts of golf. Claps. You called you called them hand claps though. Like, wouldn't they just be claps or golf claps? I mean, hand. There's claps? other kinds of claps. Yeah, but I think if you say clap, you 
you kind of un- people understand what you're saying. Especially if you clap when you say clap, you don't need to say hand claps. I get it though. This is audio, so you want to make sure people get what you're like. Like you're not when you said that you you didn't stand up and ask clap. clap. Yeah. For the record, anybody listening, Paul did not ask clap when he said that. That was indeed a hand clap. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right in, in clarifying that. Wow. Wow. What? Okay. Okay. So. What were we talking about? Injuries, Injuries. right? Right. Yeah. No. And that's a fair point. The 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 lack of depth that the Suns do have at center and point guard uh, certainly will be will be helped when Aiton comes back and and whenever Ty Jerome um, gets gets himself healthy and able to play. And then if there are situations where guys have to miss games and what have you, it won't be a Oh my gosh, who's going to be starting? Yeah, it's tonight. not we don't have the guys on the roster like last year where we didn't have point guards or power forwards on the roster. We have the guys on the roster, it's just for various reasons they're unavailable. You know, this it's actually kind of one of those situations where I kind of wish they had taken advantage of um, that, um, whatever the exception's called, that because Aiton's out for X number of games, they could have signed the guy temporarily, mm-hmm. you know, just to have another guy on the roster, just, you know, again, emergency break glass kind of thing. Just to have another guy there, um, you know, they probably would have taken some guy in the front court, but he didn't have to be a front court guy. Right, right. No, that, that you know, it might have been a... Brought up LeCue, as yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking up what Jalen LeCue's been doing down in the in the G League, and, I mean, they're, they're through three games, but he's putting up almost 18 points a game. He's averaging almost four assists, getting, you know, half a steal, three rebounds. He's shooting the ball pretty decently for a, for a young guy, shooting 45.5% overall, shooting 36%, give or take, from three-point range um, while putting up 4.7 per game. Um, but at the same time, when you're, you're dealing with a situation, and maybe this gives an idea as to, A, what type of time frame they're looking with with Rubio? Presumably, he's going to be back soonish, or they're at least thinking that that what they have up here right now is going to be able to carry them through whatever time frame we're looking at with Rubio. And again, maybe he'll be back tomorrow. Who knows? Um, I <coughs> think me, well, but, it's back spasms. So it's yeah. like one of those things. It's like they can go away, right? At any time. It's, I mean, some sometimes it takes a little bit. You got to work it out. Sometimes it's just. Oh, you slept differently tonight, and your back's back to normal. Right, and and ultimately, you know, with that being the potential situation, and Lequeux getting almost thirty minutes a game down in the G League, that that time's probably better better suited for him yeah. down there as opposed to throwing him into this situation that's going on with the Suns right now. Particularly when he's not around the team every day, um, I, I see them. <laughs> I see why they would say, "Let's just roll with what we have." So, anyway, anything else on on injuries or anything like that, Paul? No? All right, we'll, we'll take one more break, and we'll come back and wrap up this episode of Fan in the Flames. So we'll get into the last segment here of Fan in the Flames this week. Today, the Suns City edition jerseys uh, leaked. I think they leaked, or they were released. I don't know if they were released or if they leaked or what, but um, they are now known to the public, we'll yes. say, right? Paul, what do you think about those? New, creative, lovely. What lazy. do you think? Yeah. <laughs> Is that it? They're lazy. We're done. We're lazy. done talking about it. I mean, I'm not done talking about it. Go. 
it, it comes back to our conversation a few weeks back when the uh, orange jerseys were released. Right. It just it feels to me like the Suns spent a whopping fifty dollars on um, design work for their two alternate jerseys this year. Taking one, inverting the colors of the main jersey, and clip arting our the low the uh, sunburst up to the front of it, and then the other one just making it black instead of purple. There was vi- there was so little work and design into these jerseys. It's honestly comically sad. When you say fifty dollars, I'm assuming that all of that went to the orange jerseys because they couldn't possibly have to. Not, it's yeah, it's like thirty five fifteen. You oh. know, it's just it's just time. <laughs> yeah. You know, it took maybe an hour's worth of work, for, or not even hour. Okay, fifty dollars is a half hour's worth of time for a good designer. Is, and, that, is that a statement? Is that? I'm guess my guessing. Oh, okay. That's my guess. I'm just wondering if you like, know that the hourly rate for like a you know low level designer. Okay, and go that's on. All. So that's a half hour's worth of work. It's like we already had; they already had the base set, base kit for the um, sunburst jerseys because it's just the same kit as the rest of them. Just f- make the primary color orange and flip the accents to purple, and then clip art the the sunburst into the middle of it. And then this one is literally just okay. If it's purple, make it make it black. That's a half hour's worth of work maximum. Yeah, and and you know. I- I, I, I mean, I want the shorts. Yeah, last year I said I like the shorts, and I have a pair of the last year's shorts actually, yeah. and they're 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 fantastic. I love the shorts design, but the, the little suns thing. I mean, can we stop with it already? Yeah, it's we're like the only team that like is hanging on to a bad marketing gimmick that the NBA did a few years years back. Yeah, and and I, I a get, decade ago, and I and I get, Nash was on the team the first time we did it. And I get what they're I get what they're doing, obviously, with the you know Hispanic heritage in, in Arizona and what have you. But there's you, other ways to do it. Yeah, and you bring up the point you brought up is exactly kind of what my major issue with, uh, with it is is that this isn't something that's unique to the Suns. No, like just it was done by other NBA teams before. There is a way, if they want to go with the Hispanic heritage aspect, there's another way to do it. You brought up an interesting uh, approach before we started recording, that is, we're the Valley of the Sun, right? Come up with something that involves Valley. Yeah, I mean, because we've already seen that on other jerseys in other cities. I mean, the um, Milwaukee recently, I think, whether it was today or yesterday, oh, my bad. What do you, what do you, what, what, hold on. Why do you have an alarm set at 8.30 at night? To make sure I feed the fish. You have fish? I have a fish. Oh, anyway. My, anyway. my son has a fish okay. that I have to feed because, you know, that's how it works when you have six-year-olds. You're not feeding the fish right now, Paul. No, I'm not. But it's just a reminder so I don't forget. And I'm going to forget now. <laughs> I know you will. Okay, <laughs> go on. But anyway, Milwaukee just released a jersey um, that says Cream City. Yeah, I have no idea. I don't that know what means. that means. Um, the Hawks, their jersey says Peachtree. You know, that's something that's local. They were just playing that. It actually has a pretty solid-looking jersey. I actually kind of liked it. Like, it's, like, black with, I think, I want to say tan accents. It's, you know, it's so different from what their normal colors are. Both the Milwaukee jersey and the Hawks jersey. I mean, you've got the shitty Mavs one that came out, but at least there's effort and work put into that one. I mean, I know it looks like something that a 7th a grader would draw in the back of their notebook, 
but still there's effort there. You know, um, I mean, honestly, the Lakers one's kind of pathetic. Like, that one's even worse. What's the Lakers one? It's still yellow, and it says Lakers. It's like, doesn't look different. It's like, I think they might have inverted the colors on the logo, and it has something to do with Shaq. What? Yeah, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, there's a lot that can be done with these jerseys. It's giving you an opportunity to kind of be creative, and it's like the Suns not, aren't even trying to be creative. I mean, I know we're owned by a banker, and bankers aren't creative, but but still, it's, you know, just go out on Twitter and find somebody who made up a good design and, you know, give them a couple shekels to take their design. Like, what's the dude on Twitter that does all the Suns jerseys? Craig Hamill? Craig does them, but the other the, guy. The other guy, yeah. I've, I've seen so many great designs out there. Are we just going to leave him at the other guy? I'm leaving at the other guy. I'm... Don't I? I'll look it up. But yeah, I feel like we should at least acknowledge between those two guys and other guys. There's been a bunch of great jerseys. I mean, some of them are like really off the wall. Some of them are, um, you know, just take like a nice spin on different things. There's so much creativity that could be done. You know, I mean, what if we just take it out of the color palette of the Suns? You know, Sarver's a good friend of Larry Fitzgerald. What if we do one to kind of honor his? legacy here in the valley and do like a cardinals theme with like that dark maroon with white maybe a little black in there that could be something really interesting something different on the court um you know we talked about i think the other uh last week maybe going off the old school diamondbacks colors Mm -hmm. with the purple and the teal that could be really cool on the court um there's just so much that can be done that's different and it's just they just don't try Right, right. No, I, I, I know what you're saying. And, and the guy on Twitter, it's uh, at Stanford, Sandsford and Sons. That's it, yes. Yeah, he, he yes. comes up with some really, really cool designs, uh, like really cool designs. And, you know, I, I look at it, that, that peach tree thing you brought up is interesting, and, and the Cream City. Maybe every City Edition jersey should have something on there where if you don't live in that city, you're going to look at it and be like, what? Like, what? yeah, something like that. Like, we all here know Phoenix is the Valley of the Sun. I don't know if everyone knows Phoenix is the Valley of the Sun. If we, write, if we wrote Valley on there or the Valley. Right. Like, would everybody know what that is? Maybe, maybe not. Or if you're Ron Wolfley, the Basin, right? <laughs> the Basin, either yeah. way. But maybe next year the Suns will come up with something better, Paul. Maybe next year. Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? Let's, let's cross our fingers and hope for the best, right? Yes. All right, so let's wrap up Yeah, with what we like to do at the end of every episode, starting two episodes ago. Yep. Yeah, and it's my yeah. turn this time. It's your turn, yeah. Right? Yep, we're going to go through uh, the next week's schedule and uh, see what we think the record's going to be. Yeah, and I don't know why we bother doing this with me, because you, you really think I'm going to say lose ever? Maybe uh, I'll surprise you. I don't know, yeah, who knows. All right, um, first up, tomorrow night. Or maybe tonight, depending on when this goes up. But Thursday night on TNT, I think it might be the only nationally televised game for the Suns that's not on NBA TV. Mm-hmm. I think you're um, right. Suns at the Pel- or Suns versus the Pelicans at home. It's the end of the uh, it's the end of the homestand. Or Ooh. not the end of the homestand. The Suns <laughs> is the end of the homestand. But I was like, wait, they just played on the road yesterday. So this is true. Um, <coughs> I I'm going to say the Suns will win that game, and. I caveat much? that caveat that with if if Ricky Rubio plays, they'll win by twelve. If Ricky Rubio doesn't play, they'll win by 
five. All right. I thought you were going to go higher than 12. I'm, I'm trying to be more reasonable. <laughs> I don't want to be that delusional Suns fan that we referenced earlier. All right. And then uh, the weekend, we got a nice uh, back-to-back set Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Saturday is Suns at the Timberwolves. Um, Suns will win. I say right. they win that game by four. It's gonna be a close game, but I think okay. Book, Booker's gonna Booker's gonna want to, you know, show for for his boy up there. And Sh- I think show him why he wants to get a trade to Phoenix. Exactly, exactly. So I say I say win by four. Win by okay. four. And then, uh, as I mentioned, uh, next day um, we actually have a. It's actually a decent for a back to back. You can't get a much better situation. You know, the Timberwolves game's a three p.m. Central time start. The Nuggets game on Sunday is a 6 p.m. Uh, mountain time start. So it's, a, it's not the worst travel situation in the world. Are you it's, sure it's a 3 p.m. Central time start? I feel like whatever I mean, you're looking at would show it on our local time. This is true, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a, But either way, it's still not a two, night game yeah, leading into game, a, yeah, exactly. a, a game. Yeah, so you're not going to be getting in at like 3 in the morning or whatever. Um, so Suns at Nuggets... I will say that the Suns will lose that game. Oh, yeah? I will finally say it. They'll lose a game. I mean, I'll say they'll lose a game. They've obviously lost games. But, yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a, tough, that's a tough back-to-back. Those two, two teams are good, first of all. Yeah. Second of all, that's not like a we're, we're flying from, you know, Phoenix to L.A. back-to-back or a, I don't, I have no idea if this is longer or shorter. I'm going to assume shorter. A L.A. to Golden State, San Francisco area back-to-back. Again, I'm not a geography major, <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> and plus, you're going into the second game of a back-to-back going into altitude. I think, I think that's, that's, that's a tough, tough, tough situation, particularly, again, when the Nuggets are, are playing well and they're a very solid team. But, hmm. But. Wait a minute. Had that tough loss to the Nuggets earlier this year, so the Suns might roll in with a little extra motivation. Maybe they'll win that game. You know what? I'll stick with loss. I'll stick with loss. So I feel like the 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 over the top level of optimism perhaps is is cursing the Suns because I said they would go six and zero on their homestand. That obviously didn't happen. You said, said they that were they were going to go what two and one over the no, last I three, went, three and zero in the last uh-huh. three. Yeah, maybe it was yours just because you being that level of you you coming in with that level of optimism threw off the the the, the, the karma. The, not, so not I, only I, the karma. I need to be the I need to balance this out. Yeah, and maybe by me balancing it out, it's making it worse. Who knows? Who but knows? I think you threw off more than karma. I think you might have thrown off like a good chunk of the universe by doing okay. that. But regardless, that's that's where I am with it. I'm thinking they'll go two and one over that three game stretch. Win the first two. And lose the last one, and if they do that, I think I think that's a that's a good result. That's a, that's a that's a win in my book. Yeah, I'll take that. All right, you know, get us get us back on track. You know, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a tough road for uh, the next few weeks. You know, got a lot actually going on the road mm-hmm. more, right. you know, which can be good or bad um, for teams. But you know, just being away from home and whatnot, it's. You know, it's it's wear and tear. Sure. Mentally. Sure. Nope, I got you. So, all right, Paul, any last thoughts before we uh, finally wrap up this episode of Fan of the Flames? Oh, I just want to thank uh, Trey again for coming on. Um, it was really, really good to talk to him about the Suns and get his perspective and looking forward to see um, how he uh, analyzes the rest of the season. 
Absolutely. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Please follow us on Twitter. Hit us up on Twitter, whatever you want to do. I'm at So Says Jay Paul. At Dervish World. The pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. And you have Trey's offhand? Yes, it's at Travon, T R A V O N N E, on Twitter. Perfect, perfect, perfect. And as we always say here on Fanning the Flames, we appreciate you guys listening. And depending on when you're listening, have yourself a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Nothing? Nothing. Just wanna hear you say-